Hello, Pats Nation, and welcome back to the latest and greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things, a presentation of WEEI, WEEI.com, and Odyssey Sports. We have a packed jam, jam-packed episode for you today. We're going to provide you all the analysis, insight, and info you need to get pumped and jacked for Sunday's Ravens at Patriots AFC Showdown, which also happens to be the home opener for your one-and-one New England Patriots coming off of that uh, squeaker of a dub last Sunday in Pittsburgh. We will provide you with some perspective from Baltimore, some perspective from New England with some fantastic interviews. Plus, by the end of the podcast, we'll give you our picks. So get ready. This is going to be fun. Let's get things going right now. We'll have Jason LaConfora from 105.7, the fan in Baltimore, joining us to let us know how are things going down there in Balmer following that tough loss against the Finns. Joining us now on the Six Rings podcast is Odyssey NFL insider Jason LaConfora. You can also hear Jason with Brian Baldinger on the In the Huddle pod with new episodes out every week. Just search Huddle wherever you find your podcast. With Andy Hart and Nick Fitzy Stevens, it's Jason Lockenfor here to preview Pat's Ravens on Sunday. Jason, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. Hope you guys are as well. Well, hopefully you're doing better than the mood in Baltimore that I suspect right now after last week's shocking loss. Ooh, up three touchdowns, giving up 42 to the Finns. Lamar puts up a 38 spot in the home opener. Uh, what's the general mood around Baltimore right now? Oh, uh, panic-stricken. Um <laughs> Freaking out, I think, to some degree. Uh, there's a lot of here we go again. How, how could this franchise that rose to prominence based on uh, superior defensive play be this horrific, um, give up this many big plays, look this confused, have so few blue-chip players, have so few in their prime difference makers on that side of the ball? Like, how could all this be true? How could they take – three defenders in the first round three straight years and through two weeks they're complete liabilities like not only are they like not good like not helping they're bleeping up all over the place <laughs> um it's 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 getting late early um and and my sort of take on them all all off season long once the schedule came out was don't watch what they do on the road against a bad Jets team, against a, a Patriots team that's limited offensively. The first three home games are Miami, which is obviously new and improved under new management, and they've got a track team. And then it's Buffalo, who, enough said. And then it's Cincinnati, who racked up 500 yards a game against these guys last year and basically got Wink Martindale fired. So if they're any better, if this is any different, if they've actually improved – even though they got nobody who can rush the passer, but all the safeties in the world, we'll know after that three-game run. The, the, the returns against Miami obviously were, were, were horrific. I mean, teams up 21 nothing in the fourth quarter since 2011 were 711-0. It's now 711-1. <laughs> Jason, coming off of the loss, um, I think there was a little concern when – when everyone sees Lamar Jackson not throwing during the media yeah. portion of practice, got a sleeve on his arm because, as you just sort of painted it, if the defense isn't good, it looks like Lamar's going to try to carry yeah. this team as far as it can go. Oh, yeah. is, is there a legitimate concern with that arm, or well, is that just normal? I would say it's suboptimal to be dealing with it in week two. Right. You know, when 
Harbaugh calls it normal wear and tear. Like, well, I don't through two games. I, I, I think it's fair to say it's less than ideal that your quarterback's dealing with anything. But I think you'd also have to be naive if you look at the construction of this team and you watch them play, not to think he's going to be banged up because it's a one-man army. Um, they can't run the ball at all unless he does it. I mean, he had 113 yards rushing more than any other teammate last week. They don't have special backs. They don't have a special offensive line. Their blocking tight end, Nick Boyle, looks like he's at the end. Um, you know, if you're using a fullback 60-plus percent of the time and you can't pick up any short yardage unless it's a direct snap to the tight end or an inside handoff to that fullback, then you've probably got problems. Um, they drafted an undersized center in the in the first round, and they're, they're quick to tell you how great he is at the second level. Well, I see him getting tossed out of the club at the first level. So, I, I, yeah, it's Lamar. It's Lamar. It's Lamar. It's Lamar's legs. It's Lamar's mind. It's Lamar's arm. Um, they, they are trying to evolve to an, a team that throws on early downs, that employs play action way more than you would expect on early downs, that pushes the ball downfield, and it's it's now an under center passing offense as well. I think Lamar had 10, 15 career completions under center in his first four years. Five of them were goal line, you know, passes for one or two yards. So you take that out, and it was it was ten in his entire career. He's seven for seven for seventy five yards and a touchdown under center this year, and and. You know, they're selling play action, not out of the shotgun, not out of the pistol, but under center. And it's been a big weapon for them through two weeks. It's caught people off guard. Eventually, you know, we'll see if things recalibrate because teams are still playing them like they're this elite running team. But, again, unless it's the quarterback himself, there's not any there there. Yeah, injuries to Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins have absolutely just killed the running game for Baltimore, which made them such a, a diverse and dangerous attack from every level on the field. And obviously injuries have been cataclysmic in the secondary as well. Um, before we get to before we talk about any more defense, just talking about Lamar and the Ravens offense and knowing Belichick, who always tries to take away another team's best asset. In yeah. this case, I'd probably still argue Lamar's running. How do you see the Patriots trying to defend the Ravens Sunday? I think you 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 know the crowd in the box cover zero stuff. I I, I you know Miami blitzed him twenty times last last week and he carved him up. Um, he's embracing the short passes. He's embracing the quick slants and his hots. I, I think he knows that they can't run the ball unless he does it, and he doesn't want to do it as much as he's had to in the past. And you look at the numbers last week and they're gaudy. But the touchdown in 79 yards came on a, on, a, on a cover zero look where, you know, he he, he saw a crease, he pressed it, and he, no, nobody touched him. Um, it's not like they're calling design run after design run. Like, there's not a whole lot of option plays in this offense right now. Now, now could that change this week? Sure. But I, I, I think you better zone him up. I mean, in his career – Every again after the Miami game last year, everybody's talking about cover zero blitzes. But but the reality is, cover three, cover two, those looks had given him issues more than anything else through his career. And I think teams, I mean, you, I, I just don't know that you watch this film for two weeks and think you need you need stack boxes. I think it's like okay, Bateman looks like a real thing on the outside. They finally have a second move tight end like they had in 2019 when this kid won an MVP. Then it was Hayden Hurst. Now it's this kid Isaiah Likely. 
they drafted in the fourth round. Andrews is still a problem. Duvernay, he's got a concussion. The Ravens say it's not really a concussion. Either way, if, if he's available, they're finally giving him enough reps to where his speed and twitch manifest themselves. Remember, he's an all-pro returner, so it's not like this guy doesn't have wiggle and he's not a special athlete. So I, I think that's – like, I'm not worried about Kenyon Drake. I'm not worried about Mike Davis. I'm not worried about Justice Hill. Um. I, I'm worried about all these deep balls that he's hitting all over the place. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know, guys. I, I, I think it's about zone defense. It's about trying to bait him into some things. And it's hoping that because Bateman and Likely are still inexperienced that, you know, maybe there's a slip-up, maybe there's a, um, a miscommunication. And we have seen some of that um, already this year. But, I'm not defending them like the 2019 Ravens because they ain't. They're not. That that team is – that's over. Like, they're not even pretending that's who they are anymore. Jason, yesterday uh, along those lines, Bill Belichick was asked a question whether Lamar has sort of answered the questions about whether he can play in the pocket. And in the midst of that answer and saying without a doubt he has, um, he did something that piqued my interest. Uh, I've been covering his press conferences 20-plus years, and I can't ever remember him saying something like, We'll see what his contract oh, is. Oh, yeah, talking about it, somebody else's contract. That was, trust me, we, we played that clip on my show repeatedly uh, yesterday. What, uh, what do you think that was all about? And you think, that, um, you think that got any attention in the Baltimore organization? Of course. Of course. Everything he says and does is closely monitored here. I mean, people were apoplectic last year when they stole Ben Mason, who people in New England probably don't even remember. <laughs> you know, a, a fullback who the Ravens drafted, who they thought they could get on their practice squad. Like, people were irate that Ben Mason ended up in Foxborough, where I don't think he ever played. Nope. So, yeah, there's a thing here. Like, there's, a, there's, there's, there's respect, but there's also an edge. Um, and I took it as a shot at Steve Bishotti in their front office. Like, you clowns. <laughs> Everybody else who can play that position gets paid after three years, and you're going to have this kid on a franchise tag next year, and you can only do that one more time, and then he might be gone. I, I looked at it as – uh, a kind of a mismanagement kind of thing, like wow, this kid, you know, boy, he still doesn't have a real contract. <laughs> he still doesn't have a real contract yet. He's playing out his <laughs> fifth year option. He's Lamar freaking Jackson. Like, what? What more is he supposed to do? What are you clowns doing over there? That's how I took it. <laughs> yeah, you know, there is no love lost. There's bad blood galore. Yet, the, like you mentioned, Jason, there's a ton of mutual respect. Oh, yeah. um, uh, Belichick's eight and four all time versus Harbaugh. Uh, yet every game seems to go right down to the wire. Mm-hmm. And this week, John Harbaugh, you outlined earlier what a tough schedule they have, started talking about a sense of urgency already, and here it is only week three. So are you expecting an empty-the-tank effort from Baltimore on Sunday because of the urgency John Harbaugh spoke of? Yeah, and look, I don't think it's an effort situation here. I Just look at the roster and circle a guy who you think week in, week out can – impact a football game who has a a a a track record or a resume that would make you inclined to think that guy might wreck this whole thing like go to their defensive roster and just look at it and three quarters of them you never heard of but like just you you like their best player okay they paid marcus williams 16 million dollars a year like he better be able to play and he can but the secondary still a shambles even with him at free safety like, Justin Houston's been their best player in the front seven. Like, he's supposed to be playing 33% of the reps because Adafi Owe is this stud 
that you whisper to Peter King, oh, yeah, he's going to be defensive player of the year. Yeah, well, a year before it was Justin Matabike. Like, how'd that work out? <laughs> like, the, the, you know, like, we can mythologize all these dudes and we can pretend that, like, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and that's what they're selling around here. But they don't have players. They do not have players that strike fear in offensive coordinators' hearts. And Justin Houston's playing 70-plus percent of the reps. Calais Campbell's supposed to be an every-other-down guy at most. He played 63% last, last week. They put a roster together with two outside linebackers on it. But, like, 5,000 safeties. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, Harbaugh is – look, for my money, he's one of the elite, truly elite coaches in this league. But, like, if you keep blowing drafts and you don't want to spend money in free agency, then this is what you get. So you're hoping and praying that this is the week O.A. turns it on, and you're hoping and praying that Kyle Hamilton, your 14th overall pick, understands basic cover two concepts. You're, you're hoping that Patrick Queen learns how to tackle and cover this week, although we ain't seen it yet. You know, but that's what you're left with. And then, you know, it's, it's guys who are at the end. You're piecing it together with Campbell and, oh, yeah, Michael Pierce hasn't done anything in two years, but he was good here three years ago, so we'll take a flyer on that. Meantime, you let Matt Judon leave for less money than you paid him the year before. I mean, you make it make sense. They don't have a defense. Uh, speaking of that, how much of the issues in the back end will be improved if uh, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters can be full-time players? What, what is their status, I guess? I, I mean, Marcus Peters is coming off a significant injury. Uh, their insurance policy was fuller. He went down in the first game, and, and he's done for the year. Um, Marcus, uh, look, I, I don't – I mean, Marcus Peters doesn't have a contract beyond this year. Um, I – I think it was a gamble, sort of just assuming he's going to be the old Marcus Peters right away. He's not. He's still a step slow. He looked like a guy, and again, Miami does have elite speed, but he looked like a guy who was working his way back from a major injury. Marlon Humphrey is a slot corner. They paid him $20 million. They can play him on the boundary all they want, but ideally, he's a slot corner. He's not an elite twitch guy. He's not super sped up. Um his most impact comes at slot, but they can't play him there because they don't have any boundary corners. The key to their defense this week will be Brandon Stevens. If Brandon Stevens can, can play, then that means they can hide Kyle Hamilton again and not play their first-round pick in passing situations for the most part. Um, I don't know whether that's going to come to pass or not. I, it sounds more optimistic for Stevens this week. Um, you know, Marlon tried to gun it out last week with, with – you know, soft tissue stuff. You guys know how easily that is aggravated. Um, again, they have more invested in their secondary than anybody else in the league from a cap standpoint, percentage of cap. They don't have anything invested in pass rush. If those guys on the back end aren't not just good, but phenomenal, if that's not a top five unit, this team has no chance to beat good offensive football teams. Boy, you're talking about missing on free agency picks and having bad drafts. I say you swap out Mac Jones's promise for Lamar Jackson's speed, and this could be a cruel mirror image game on Sunday, Jason, because <laughs> we have a lot of the same complaints up here in New England, which is what should make it fascinating. Thanks for your time today, Jason. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. All the best. Hope to connect with you again sometime soon. Sounds good. You guys do the same. Thank you. All appreciate right. Thank you. you. That was Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfor here on the Six Rings podcast.